Hey, we're continuing our sermon series, uh, Experience Christmas, today, and I am so thankful for the presence of God uh, during this month here at New Song, and uh, I don't want to keep you long today, but I want to share with you a message that's been on my mind for a long time, a message that I believe that we don't talk enough about in the church. In fact, as, as believers today, I feel as though we don't necessarily live uh, in this place, in this message, enough. In fact, we uh, have hearts that are troubled a lot. And as believers, the trouble in our hearts can weigh us down because we don't live or experience peace. Peace is something that, you know, in a lot of ways, it relates to the Christmas topic. You see mangers and, and hay and little baby Jesus and, and the star and the shepherds and, and the three wise men and, and the gifts. And, and there's this surreal feeling that you get. But in the Bible, peace is not necessarily a feeling. It's actually not a state of mind. Uh, sometimes as Christians, I've even, um, and this is, you know, it's, it's kind of for, to each his own, but I've even seen people going after horoscopes searching for peace. Christians looking into horoscopes, looking for peace, looking for something, some direction in your life that gives you this peace. You know, the Bible teaches about the peace that passes all understanding, you know what I'm talking about, right? And we pray that. But do we really believe it inside of us? Does it really resonate in our core regardless of the circumstances in which we're in? See, this peace, I believe, comes from a, not a place, not a verdict, not a decision, not a choice, but a person. All series long, we've been talking about this one concept, make a conscious choice about seeing Christ in Christmas. We have gifts, we got trees, we've got stuff. I mean, you guys still haven't finished your Christmas shopping list. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Me too, kind of. <laughs> and I'm in trouble, you know. I just found out the uh, U.S. mail just said that they're running behind a little bit. And so get your Amazon orders in right away if you want them to get here by Christmas, right? So you're, you're freaking out, you don't have enough time in the day, and all of a sudden the pastor gets up there and says, you got to have peace in your life. Well, how do I receive this peace? This is a question I've asked even as a minister of the gospel. Because how many of you guys know a pastor is busy? I mean, I... <laughs> And I wish I could put it any other way other than saying, I'm busy. God gives me the grace, but I'm busy. But one thing I've learned is, even though I'm busy, I don't have to operate in a place that does not have peace. See, peace is something that changes how you operate no matter what your circumstance is. No matter what the ups of life brings or the downs of life brings, peace can sustain you. It is an anchor to your soul. 
Isaiah 9, 6. This is a very familiar verse, even if you're not a Christian, a follower of Jesus. This is a familiar verse. It says this, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what else? Peace. I mean, when you hear the word Prince of Peace, you may be thinking of a Disney fairy tale. God comes galloping on a white horse, and he's got the scepter, and he comes to your home, he asks you to come out, and this Prince of Peace bestows on you peace. Well, that's not how it actually works. In fact, when we look at this verse, we see a number of promises, a number of clues, a number of hints as to how to get to the Prince of Peace. You know, whenever I read the Bible, I'm always asking the Holy Spirit, God, I don't want to read too much. Just tell me, speak to me, change me from the inside out. Maybe some of you guys have heard the Bible called the living word of God, the living Bible. You want to know why the Bible is living? Because you can read the same verse again and again and again, and it gives you something new. See, dead things don't give you new things. Living things are constantly growing. That's what the Word of God does in our lives. See, this is not just a cool prophecy about Jesus and who He is. This is a prophecy for us even today. It's not just about a king being born 2,000 years ago. It is for us today. In fact, I could do a whole sermon series on just the names of God from this one verse. We could stay here for maybe a couple months. People are shaking their heads. Don't do it, Pastor. Don't do it. I'm telling you, God is revealing things in this verse. The first is this. There's a statement in here that we can pass by so quick. Because when we start reading the verse, we run by it. It says, for us, for to us, a child is born. For to us. You know what's interesting? I, I was spending time in this verse this week, and I said, God, I, I don't want to translate the Bible. I don't want to create my own scripture. But I said, speak to me what you're saying through the scripture. And so the team is going to put up this slide. They already put it up behind me. And it says this. For me this week, this is what this verse meant, and I hope it means this for you as well. It says, for us, hope was born. That's what this baby child meant. See, there was this hope for us, this place where we could actually look forward not only to heaven, but to living life here on earth. That's what this child brought. He was no ordinary baby. And man, if you have a baby or if you've had a baby, you know that babies are not easy to keep around. 
I'm sure Mary had to change diapers, had to soothe the baby. They lost sleep. But it wasn't about the fact that it was baby Jesus, just cute and cuddly, big cheeks. No, changing diapers, right? They probably had cloth diapers back then. I do not recommend cloth diapers, right? Just pay a little extra, get the real stuff, and just recycle it. You know, it's called the diaper genie. All my parents and you, some advice for you future parents, get a diaper genie. It's a place that you put the diaper into and it closes up and you don't smell it at all. We've had two. Tell you how many kids and diapers we've had. But this wasn't about this cute baby. The second was this. To us, the price was paid. Notice that Isaiah in his prophecy says, hey, a child is being born to you, but then also a son has been given prophesying the fact that the price has been paid. Do you know that as a follower of Jesus, that the price of your sins has been paid? Some of us, you know, some of us are still walking around feeling like we have to earn this thing called grace. The price has been paid. This is why as Christians... We celebrate and we're thankful during worship. No matter even if the sound's not good or worship's not good or the music's off or on or whatever, I'm lifting my hands and saying, God, thank you. Thank you. Even if my life is crazy, thank you, God, for what you did for me. In him lies all authority, dominion, and power. That's what it means when the government shall be on his shoulders. You know what's funny? Uh, The translation in the 1600s, it didn't have the government. They kind of got a little political back then. And the Jesuits kind of put this word, uh, the government, in. But what it really means isn't, isn't saying your local government, even though it's part of authority. It's basically all authority, dominion, and power rests on the Son of God. And we're not even halfway through the verse. This is a good deal to be a follower of Jesus, isn't it? What a prophetic word. 700 years before the Messiah was born, the prophetic word. One of 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. This one verse says, all authority is on his shoulders. What an amazing, amazing word. And this is my favorite part of the verse. It's the name that we will call him for those that are in relationship with him. You know, if people call me by name, I respond. Isn't it right? So if someone called me, Pastor Clint or Clint or, or, uh, or uh, my, my mom has nicknames for me. I'll definitely know it's my mom, right? Audrey has a nickname. My wife has a nickname for me. My kids uh, call me dad. I turn around by the names. Notice the names that this child, the son of God, will be called. The first is this. He is wonder-filled. wonder Filled. The second is this. He is a wise counsel. 
You know, I love counselors. You guys heard me say that before. But did you know that Jesus is the greatest counselor that any of us could get? In fact, that word means that you can actually deliberate and have a conversation with this counselor. Isn't it great that sometimes, you know, we have friends that always want to tell us what to do? Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is someone who listens and goes back and forth and talks with you, deliberates with you, counsels with you, pulls you in, get, lets you get it. Go, go, you know, here's some grace. Come on, let's do this. I know. I believe in you. You're a son of the Most High King. You're a daughter of the Most High King, a wise counsel. That's who we have in our corner, a mighty God, a mighty God. Maybe you came in here feeling a little weak. Maybe you came in here feeling a little like left behind. Maybe things are happening in your life and you're saying, you know what, I just don't feel like God is for me. We serve a mighty God, someone who is strong. This is not just a Sunday school item. This is who he is. He isn't pulling out this sword, which is a mighty sword. This is who he is a forever father. You know, statistics are true. A lot of people don't have forever fathers. Some of us have different variations of it. Some of us have good, really good ones, not so good ones, good ones, really bad ones, and everything in between. But God is not a God who will leave us every now and then as a father. He is a forever father. There is nothing you can do that is going to disappoint Jesus. There's nothing you have done that is going to disappoint Jesus. I like that. I like that a lot. Because not only is he wonder-filled, not only is he a wise counselor, not only is he strong, but he's an everlasting father. That's good news. That's good news this Christmas. And the last piece is this piece called the Prince of Peace. See, the word peace actually means to be at rest. You know what that feels like? <laughs> that feels like you're not speeding. Any of you guys go well below the speed limit? I don't. But anybody? Yeah, a couple people, right? When you're looking at the windshield in front of you and you're slowed down and you're supposed to be doing 25, which is way too low of a speed limit, my goodness, somebody, if there's a city councilor listening to this, Please change this in the Heights area. We need to get to places a little faster. I mean, 35 is not going to kill anybody. You know? Praise God. Don't break the law. Don't say pastor said break the law, right? But here's the deal. Sometimes we need to operate in a place of rest. In fact, I would say in America, we need to learn how to operate from a place of rest. You don't have to do it all. 
You don't have to be it all. You don't have to do things all the time. Both Ari and I love to party. We love it. We love a good time. We absolutely love a good time. In fact, when we get home at nine o'clock, we're wondering what's next. Audrey and the other girls, we don't know about Emory yet. We're trying to sway the vote here, the majority to our side. But Autumn and Audrey like their naps. They like the slow life. They like chilling out, relaxing. I got to be honest with you. There's a lot of times that that is the healthy and the godly approach to living. See, this Prince of Peace didn't come with his scepter and his horse to bring a war, to bring peace. He is the one who brings rest. See, this promise is number one for us. For us. Luke 2, 13 and 14 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Did you know that peace is this person named Jesus? The second is to us, the price was paid. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15, the message translation tells us, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes, Paul is telling the Corinthian church. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from the focus center One man died for everyone that puts everyone in the same boat. Boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life people ever lived on their own. That's called a peaceful life. See, in him lies all authority, dominion, and power. He's a mighty God. Matthew 28, it's famous for the challenge to go into all the world and preach the good news. You know that before he said that, he talks about the authority in the name Jesus. He says this, then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We can't go and make disciples in our name. Where does that authority come from? It comes from Jesus. See, these principles, these concepts, these gifts, they're in one person. They're not this auxiliary badge you wear, this little hammer you pick up when you need to nail stuff in. You got a little drill when you need to drill things. You know, that is not who God is. God is who he says he is. See, he's wonder-filled, wise, a mighty God, a forever father, and the one in charge of rest. You notice that there's a correlation between his names and his lordship. You know what I mean? There's a correlation between his names, and we all love this, right? How many guys want to wonder-fill God? 
How many guys want wise counsel? Amen? How many guys want to serve a mighty God who's not dead, he's alive? How many guys want a forever father? Oh my goodness, this is... Did the Browns win? I mean, did they lose last night? Was it 17? What is going on this morning? Come on, church, wake up, right? Do you want a forever father? Amen. (laughs) Do you want to be worshiping a God who's in charge of rest? So here's the deal. Not only can we get those things and we want those things, and those are all good things, we have to say yes to his lordship. See, so many of us, here's the deal, so many of us, we want the blessings of the cross. You already know where I'm going. You want the wise counsel. You want the forever father. You want this person who gives rest. But lordship, I don't know. This is America. We don't take stuff from nobody. I am my own man. I am my own woman. Right? Right? And we have this thing saying in America, we want the benefits of the cross, but we do not want to call Jesus Lord. We don't want to go to him and ask for permission. This is my life. I pay my tithes. I go to church and serve. I do what I need to do. Why can't I make decisions? But it does not work that way. See, we like baby Jesus. We don't like grown-up Jesus asking us stuff. But the Bible is clear that not only do we need to say yes to these amazing things, and yes, these are benefits, and yes, it's so available to us through His grace, but it only happens when you say yes to His Lordship. In fact, I believe there will be many Christians in heaven that live their entire life wanting the benefits of the cross, never receiving it because of this concept of lordship. We will listen to people more than we listen to Jesus. We will listen to books more than we listen to Jesus. We will listen to podcasts more than we listen to Jesus. We will listen to our best friend more than we listen to Jesus. We will listen to Starbucks or Facebook or Google before we listen to Jesus. And at the end of the day, when we rest our heads on our bed and you're praying to God to move in your life, I wonder if we can truly say that we have given 100% control over to Jesus. What would it look like if New Song, everybody in this room and those hearing the, the sermon online, if we just got a hold of that one thing, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to whatever he has. You know, the, the uh, early church, they did not have the New Testament. You've heard me say this before. They didn't have the New Testament Bible. Did you know that? Yet their shadows were healing people. Do we see that anymore? I mean, every now and then in another country, but why not in America? Why not? Some of us believe in a political system 
more than we believe in the kingdom of God. And I hate getting into your grill. I don't care about elephants or donkeys. You do what you need to do. But at the end of the day, every knee, every tongue, every nation will confess that Jesus is Lord of all. Lord of all. We are not getting an expedited visa just because we're Americans. Well, technically I'm not, but I've pretty much been here a long time, right? I might as well be. Don't worry, guys. I got my green card. Everybody relax. I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian, right? The ironic thing is this. We are so passionate. I mean, if you get on Facebook today, Christians are more passionate about kittens. We're more passionate about deals, about shopping. We're more passionate about concerts and Kanye and Beyonce and Bono and every rock star than we are about Jesus. We're so politically correct when it comes to Jesus. I just want to encourage you today. I don't want to beat (laughs) or yell or scream. I want to encourage you today. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to this Prince of Peace. See, the word in the Hebrew for Prince of Peace is Sar Shalom. Some of you guys know Shalom, right? We live in a, in a uh, great Jewish neighborhood. A lot of these areas and neighborhoods are Jewish. I love my Jewish friends. Gone to meet quite a few rabbis. And I love just learning Hebrew a little bit when it comes to studying Scripture. Because it gives you context you've never seen. Sar means the one in charge. The Lord, the chief, the general. Shalom means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness, contentment. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God. And who is it through? It's through our Lord Jesus. That's how peace comes. Psalm 4, verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace. My goodness, can some of us use that kind of peace, amen? (laughs) That you don't have to stay awake at night. You can just go and rest in the presence of the Lord. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You want to feel secure, operate in Jesus. And peace begins to flood your life. If you're a person with great insecurity in your life, begin to give that insecurity to Jesus and say, Jesus, come into my life. Come be part of my life. And all of a sudden, you start to feel secure in who you are and the identity of being a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to His people. Check this out. That means that we need His strength. Amen? So he's willing to give. The Lord blesses his people with what? Isn't that amazing? That there's strength and peace. 
It's not weak. It's not about meekness all the time, but there's strength in peace. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us need to hear that this morning. That this strength you're looking for, this kind of jolt, it's, it's not from your rock star or your extra espresso shot in the morning, right? I need my coffee. I need my coffee, right? Maybe you just need a little bit more Jesus. <laughs> Maybe you just need to start your day with talking to Jesus and see what happens. Amen? See, we have to experience Jesus in order to experience peace. That's the bottom line. You have to experience Jesus in order to experience peace. Without Jesus, there is no peace. There may be a feeling of calm, right? All is calm, all is bright, right? There may be a feeling of that, a little heart playing, Christmas lights are twinkling, goosebumps, right? Some people call it goosies, right? <laughs> It may be a feeling, but that feeling will always go away if Jesus is not involved. If Jesus is involved, hey, the day after Christmas, guess what's happening? It's peaceful. January 1st, when you have no idea how you're going to pay off the credit bill that you just incurred for buying everybody and their boyfriends and girlfriends gifts, there's peace. Some of you guys are laughing. Nobody raise your hands. Nobody raise your hands. Peace is not an emotion or a state of mind. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. Peace is not the absence of struggle. See, it's not something that doesn't mean, that means that everything's perfect. Everything's comfortable. Everything's good. Peace actually is not even a replacement for faith. Some of us want peace because we're tired of having faith in our life. Peace is not a replacement for faith. You need to have faith in Jesus. Peace, peace is a person. And this person is alive. And you find it active in him. He's alive and he's active with this peace. I want us to focus in on this verse today. And I believe... And this gives us the key to peace this Christmas. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. See, I love that about what Paul was saying to the Ephesian church. See, they got this concept down because they had a lot of trouble in the early church. They could not cling to things of this world, to the promises of this fleeting world. They had to cling to this person. They were being persecuted, hung upside down, burned alive for this gospel. They knew that the only hope that they had for peace in the midst of being alive in this world was this man named Jesus. See, that's why Paul makes the statement that Christ himself is our peace. 
Do you have Christ in your heart today? If you do, begin to tap in to that peace. If you don't, I want to give you a few pointers, a few keys on how to tap into that. The first, I already mentioned this, is to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus. So we have to learn that this is not our life. This is not about me. (laughs) This is not about you. This is about Jesus. When we became a follower of Jesus, we begin to follow His ways. We don't ask Him to come and negotiate our ways going into His ways. We say yes to His plan. We don't say yes to our plan. And God, would you come bless our plan? In the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 36, Paul, saying this, in verse 36, he says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So they were talking to a primarily Jewish Christian group. But what he was doing was reminding them that, hey, the good news of peace about Jesus is for those who claim that Jesus is Lord of all. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have trouble with this too. I mentioned earlier, life gets busy. I understand. I got two babies at home. I've got stuff to do here at the church. I got stuff in my own life. I got family things happening. I got prayer requests being answered and some not. I got real things happening in my life. But I have to get into a place where I say, He is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the victories in my life. He's the Lord of all of it. The things that I'm good at, the things I'm not good at, the things that are in between, the things that God sees, the things that are unknown to me. He is Lord of all. In your life, is He Lord of all? Now, I know you've heard the teaching about this when it comes to finances. I don't want to talk about finances today. I want to talk to you about your life, your kids. Do they belong to Jesus or do they belong to you first? Your business, does that business belong to Jesus or does it belong to you? Your gifts, your talents, your character, your skin color. See, people that operate outside of this are insecure people. As believers, we have to allow the presence of God to begin to move us to a place continually, daily saying, He is Lord of all. All of it. We have to lose control. You've heard me say this before. We have to live our lives with our palms open, saying yes to God and no to everything else. 
See, it's bigger than church. Did you hear me that? Did I just say that? Yeah, the pastor of a church has said that. It's bigger than a building. It's bigger than your bank account, no matter how small or big it is. It's big because living life as Lord of all means my life is not my own. See, the early church changed the world. The whole culture went upside down, really right side up, because they lived like Jesus was Lord of all. See, we complain, right? As Christians, sometimes we're the first to complain about all the rules. We can't do this. They won't let us do that. We have rules at work, rules at school. Ain't nobody stopping you from being a Christian and living like Jesus is Lord of all. See, that's how the early church grew. I grew up in the Middle East. Some of you guys know this. And uh, I didn't realize this until I moved to America that the Muslim people loved hiring Christians. We had our little compound. You know, the church was in the compound. You could not evangelize. You could not, you know, proselytize or share the gospel. You could do church, but keep it in your compound. But guess what Christians were doing? They were serving well. They were good workers. They were good neighbors. They were people of high morals. They were people of integrity. This is how evangelism is happening in the Muslim world right now. People are good doctors, good counselors, good teachers, good garbage collectors, good landscapers. Christians need to wake up. It is our time. This is our season. God has called us to this moment in history for us to wake up and realize that we do not need another revival in the church. I am here to make that announcement. We need a revival in our hearts. We do. We need a revival in our life. We need to stop hiding in these walls and listening to preaching sitting with our gifts, and I love this place, and we're going to expand this place, and we're going to do great things in and through this building. Praise God. But we need to stop hiding and make a difference and influence culture like God has called us to. Stop living outside of the lordship of Jesus. See, the truth, Isaiah 32, is another prophecy. He says, the fruit of righteousness will be what? See, when you pursue righteousness, what happens in your life? It's peace. The effect of righteousness will be what? Quietness and confidence forever. Some of us, we need to get that into our heart and our soul today. That we need the peace of God. We need to to, to pursue righteousness and the fruit of it will be peace See, my people, Isaiah prophesying says, will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Do you know that you could be working 60 to 70 hours a week and still operating in peace? It's not about chilling out on the couch, watching Monday night football, eating peanuts, and letting the shells go wherever. That is not what peace looks like. 
Peace looks like being in the will of God for your life. Number two, this is so basic. Another thing, bring Jesus into every situation. Oh, man, I was so good at for so long, Diane. <laughs> Anytime there was an emergency, I'm like, where's my Jesus card? Where's the promise from 2018? God, help me. I need you. <laughs> Pastor, please pray for me. I need a word from heaven. I need him right now. When things are good, the bank account's okay, and life's good, and friends are good, and the turkey's cooking, everything's fine. Oh, I'm okay. See, we have to learn to bring Jesus into every situation. I know I am talking to millennials specifically in this, okay? You cannot have two or three different lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying this in the nicest possible way, smiling as much as I can. You cannot, it's not even about double living, double lives. I think some of us do, do this unknowingly. We come into church and we get our shouting shoes on, you know? And we leave and we probably put on our Sunday afternoon NFL football mask on and we're hanging out, you know, chilling, Monday morning comes, you put another mask on, I'm the employee, you know, here I am, where's my paycheck? Oh, I spent it Friday, oh my goodness, I already spent my paycheck from Friday, what? Okay, another two weeks of this torture. <laughs> Wednesday night, back in church, Bible say Robert's teaching, that's good stuff, I better show up because they're keeping attendance, you know, and they have a journey track thing, what's up with that, you know, but I better show up because it's going to come up sometime in the future, and pastor's going to ask, so better show up. And Thursday morning, you wake up, and you're like, oh my goodness, how am I going to make it for the rest of the week? I got Thursday and Friday, and then Friday shows up, and it's 7 p.m., you're like, let's party, except you're 59 years old. We cannot live like this. You cannot live without a plan. You cannot live without bringing Jesus into every situation. He goes with you right here. Yes, he's in church. You, you brought him, you know, you feel him. He's in our midst. You take, but you, you go home with him too. Even with your unsaved friends and your unchurched family members, you go home. You take Jesus with you. Maybe there are places that you can't say the name of Jesus, but you bring Jesus into every situation. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with all of you. What a benediction. You mean that's pray that over our lives? God. May the Lord of peace, yourself, may you, you just give me peace at all times, God. And in every way, every way, even the, the ways I can't imagine or think or, or, or not even conceive, may your peace be with me. May you go with me. The Lord be with you. Philippians 4, 8 to 9 gives us a, a, a snapshot about living with Jesus, living with this peace. He says this, Finally, brothers, 
or sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, a lot of people attack Joel Osteen, but he tapped into this verse, folks. You know why people are attracted to his ministry? You're so tired of being beat down all the time. I just want to turn it on for 22 minutes and see someone smiling at me on a big stage with a Houston accent and using corny jokes and making me feel good. If you wonder, you're like, oh, he's not preaching the gospel. Well, he got this verse down, sometimes even more than most Christians. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. How many of us are actually practicing good things? How many of us are actually saying, all right, Jesus, since you're with me at home, I guess I need to go ahead and clean up my yard. (laughs) I'm just sharing with you what the Holy Spirit tells me all the time. I walked in the other day, I'm like, oh, it's good weather. It's Saturday, that means I got to clean up the leaves <laughs> again <laughs> for the fifth time. Welcome to Ohio. And so I had one of those, you know, electric type windblower things. I'm like, nope, buying myself an early Christmas present. I got one of those backpack deals. <laughs> got the handle, and went Ghostbusters on the leaves, you know? (laughs) Partly because I calculated in my head how much they were going to charge me to clean the leaves up, and I'm like, wait a minute, I could buy one of these machines for that price, you know? I got the Shaker Heights Premium. Everything's like 30% higher. Next time, I'm just going to (laughs) say I live somewhere else, (laughs) you know? See, we got to put it into practice. It's practical, guys. It is. Whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is lovely. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And guess what happens right after? The God of peace will be with you. What a promise. And no matter what happens in our life, no matter what the situation, no matter what our attitude, no matter all the ups and downs that life can bring, even when we don't ask for it, that when we focus on what is pure, what is true, what is right, and what is noble, and we put it into practice, the God of peace will be with you. That's a good promise. Number three, remain focused on Jesus. See, I, I've come to a conclusion in my walk with God that everything I need, everything I hope for, everything I want is in this person named Jesus. 
Isaiah 26, verse 3, the New King James Version says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. I think it's a trust issue, isn't it? I think at the end of the day, when it comes to this person of Jesus and living out this life, we actually sometimes even know. We even know. Sometimes we're geared towards the misery of life because we do not want to stay focused on Jesus. See, if that's you today, I want to let you know. It's not such a bad thing. I think it happens to a lot more of us than we would admit. But the key is to become focused again. There are times that I will operate without my glasses. And I can't see too far. In fact, my, my eyesight's not too bad, but I can't see. Sometimes, every now and then, when I'm not preaching too good, I actually take my glasses off so I don't want to see people, right? It helps. And I think sometimes the truth is this. We walk around like this. We know Jesus brings focus. We know the Word of God. But we'd rather walk around because we don't want to admit what our life is. We don't want to tell anybody what's going on. We don't want to be real with people. We don't want to say to our Christian brother or sister, please pray for me. We don't want to do that. See, Jesus is saying to us today, in order to see Christ in Christmas, to have his peace, it's time to get Jesus involved again. To have him involved and to stay focused. See, we pray for miracles, and when God gives us a miracle, we have a habit. We take that miracle and we put the miracle on the seat where Jesus is supposed to be. Some of us, we, 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 we pray for a child, and we pray and we're believing and we're fasting. And people have prayed and anointed us with oil and a miracle happens. And then when the child is born, and unknowingly even sometimes, we, we take Jesus off, the one who is the miracle maker. And we put this child on the center, on the throne. Some of us, if we've been Christians for long, we will watch God do things in our lives with so much faith and, and, and with so much innocence and he begins to grow us and our faith is growing and then one day we know the verses we've been through the Christian life a little bit so we go ahead and say God I understand who you are so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to move you off the pole. I'm going to put all the knowledge that I have about you on the center, on the throne. And if you do something outside of the knowledge that I have about you, it can't be real. Some of us, we're just starting the journey. And you're like, I don't even know how to do this. How do I, I mean, do I just show up to church every week? 
Do I just keep lifting my hands and all of a sudden, miraculously, Jesus begins speaking to me? No. It's just remain focused on Jesus. You remember when you gave your heart to God? Do you guys remember that moment? That's what your entire relationship with God is supposed to be like. God, I choose you. Lord, you're the Lord of my decisions. What you signed up for was eternal hope, yes, but lordship too. I want to pray this over you today, Romans 15, 13. God's going to put it up on the screen. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray for a couple minutes. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you are God and you are God alone. We say yes to your, to your Lordship, Lord. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to remain focused on who you are. We say yes, God. Thank you that you're speaking to us. Thank you that there's a word for each one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you are, Lord, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, that you are a God who is wonder-filled, a wise counsel, God, and that you are the one who is in charge of rest. Truly, God, you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you, God, that there is peace in you. I pray right now for those of us who are struggling and this restlessness in our spirits, in our soul, just all the time, agitation, agitation. I speak the name of Jesus. Be calm in the name of Jesus. Be calm in the name of Jesus. Come on, if that's you right now, I just want you to allow Jesus to come into your heart to bring that calm through his Holy Spirit, to let you know that everything is going to be okay, even if it's not. There's peace in the storm. There's peace in the struggle. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Thank you, God, that you came to us as a child. You gave us a gift and you gave us a hope Lord, thank you that you gave your life to us. You gave it to us even before knowing us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, God, for the names that we can call out, knowing you intimately, saying you are good. You are good. You are good. Lord, I pray right now that this church, that these people would begin to infiltrate and flood the city of Cleveland, with your hope in and through their life, with your peace in and through their life, in a mighty way, do what only you can do like a river, God, mighty river, God, flowing from within them, God, make impact happen wherever they go, place favor on their hands and their work, God, lead them, 
guide them. For those that have strayed away, would you gently guide them back to your way? Would you begin to speak to them? Lord, I pray against the hardened heart. And I pray right now that the love of Jesus would begin to break down walls, would begin to break down that hardened heart and begin to know that there is purpose that you have for them. Begin, Lord, to flood them, flood their hearts with your love. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, and I want you to respond just right where you're seated. I just want you to respond right where you're seated. If you need peace in your storm, if you need peace in your life, maybe things are going well, but you're saying, you know what, Pastor Clint, I, I need peace right now. I just want you to, with no one looking around, I just want you to stand up. Stand up right where you're at. Stand up right where you're at. God, you see those that are in need of peace in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to flood their life with peace. Jesus, your presence and your peace are intertwined. So I pray right now that the presence of Jesus would be upon each individual needing peace right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, begin to move, begin to move, begin to move. Begin to move in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for the burdens that are too heavy for us. Lord, I pray that they will give those burdens to the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Right now, if you're standing up, I just want you to hand over those burdens that are weighing down your shoulders. Put it on the shoulders of, of the one who has all authority, all dominion, and all power in this world. Just give it to Jesus right now right here, right now, right here. In the name of Jesus, we align our spirits and our hearts and our decisions with the Prince of Peace, with the Prince of Peace, with the Prince of Peace. Sar Shalom goes before you, goes behind you, to the left, to the right. Sar Shalom will speak to you and guide you. Sar Shalom will be your peace and your guide. In Jesus' name, we ask and we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated real quick. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a, a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Jesus is good. Woo! I'm pumped just to go out to Cleveland, you know? I don't know if I'm going to work in the office this week. <laughs> it's going to be talking to people. God is good. God is good. Hey, um, I want to encourage you, those that are far from God. If you're far from God today, I want to encourage you don't let this moment slip by to make a decision today to have Jesus be the Lord of your life and it's a simple prayer all you have to say is God I want you in my life I want you to take control of my life I accept the work of your son to make a way for me to be close to you that's all you have to do the Bible says that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Believe in your heart 
and confess with your mouth. That's all you got to do. It's not complicated. Jesus didn't have an altar call every time he preached or taught. He basically just said, believe. He just said, believe. Amen?